take your Bibles back with me, please, to the book of Nehemiah. We're in chapter 8. I don't seem to be able to get out of chapter 8. It's a wonderful chapter. It's thrilled my soul. I don't know if it's four or five messages, but I'm wanting to get down there to that God's camping trip is what I called. But there's still one more thing, and I thought, well, I'll give that point, and we'll move right on. But uh, it just kept opening up, so I just can't move right on. So we'll have at least one more message. What a wonderful chapter. It has so many essentials to revival and how God built a wall in the first part of Nehemiah. Now he's building his people. And we want God to build in us his work and make us like himself. He's building something in the remnant. Though they're not very big, though they've got all sorts of problems. And he's doing a great work in their hearts in spite of all that's against them. And the Lord is still wanting to do that with his people today. And we looked at so many of these essentials to revival and the work of God in our hearts as we've gone through this chapter. They were unified in their initiative toward the Lord. They were publicly open, openly for God. They were hungering and attentive to the Bible. They were patiently committed. They reverenced, they had a reverence in their hearts for God and for His Word. They were taught the Bible. The teaching of the Word of God was present. They wept, they had an emotional response. They wept and were brought under deep conviction in their heart. They began to pray and make confession even with, with fasting. There was praise that was going on. There was worship of the Lord. And then the last time we were together in this text, we saw their joy, the joy that was in their heart and the fellowship that was there and the feasting. And there's one other little ingredient here, and I, I want to read these few verses again together. Nehemiah chapter 8, we'll start in verse number 10 again. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the Bible says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. You know, as we preach through the Bible, I don't just preach things that I think, oh man, we've got, our church needs this. We just preach through the Bible as it is, and it just deals with stuff. I, there was no particular reason I preached on the children of the devil this morning, except it was the next verses in our text. And evidently, God wants us to talk about the children of the devil, or he wouldn't put it in the Bible. And uh, tonight, there's a, <clears throat> another element in the revival that's going on here, and it's not really a problem in our church. Matter of fact, it seems like we're doing rather well with it, but I think it is a very important and a, a, a very important ingredient in what's going on in revival here because revival always changes things. 
And when God's really doing something in your heart, the status quo is never kept in your life. God touches some area of your life to change it and make it more like what He wants it to be. And so something is touched in their lives here in Nehemiah chapter 8, and they're going to start doing something that they haven't been doing before. Matter of fact, it's been going against the spirit of what they had been doing, especially in chapter 5, and that's in their giving, their giving. An ingredient of revival is when people's hearts are changed to give. And I would say this, there is no revival if people aren't giving. Matter of fact, people aren't even right with God when they're not giving. And again, I'm not, pre- I'm not preaching this tonight because, you know, uh, and we, don't, we don't harp on money. We don't beg people to give. We take up two offerings a week, one Sunday morning, one Sunday night for the missionaries. We do that because 1 Corinthians 16 talks about a collection. We take up a collection, but we have no problem in this area yet. I don't foresee a problem. We have, matter of fact, since I've been here, the giving of this church is just it's been amazing. It's been amazing on not just the people giving to the general fund, but the missionaries that we've uh, taken on and your commitment has been a blessing. And, I, and I'd say this, if God's really working in our heart, it, it affects how we give and what we do with what God's given us. And there's two little words that's mentioned twice in this text that they were commanded to do as God was working in their hearts. Look at verse 10 again, would you? He said, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet. And then he says this, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. Do you see that? In the midst of this great revival and working of God in their heart, he stopped and said, now you need to go give and you need to send portions to other people that don't have anything. He says that again in verse number 12. Would you look at it? He said, and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declaring them. So he tells them to begin to give. He said, send portions. I want to talk about it for a little while. Send portions. Now, the first one of the verses that come to my mind when he talks about that word portion is that young man in Luke, we call him the prodigal son, that came to his father. And he said this, and I quote, he said, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Do you see a contrast in somebody that is rebellious and is running away from the work of God in their heart? They're wanting portions to be given to them. And here in this text where God is working in people's hearts and going God's way, they begin sending portions to others. Do you see a great contrast there? And I would say this about the prodigal son. Before he ever went after the harlots, he went after his dad's money. In other words, before he got into gross sin, he went after that which was the root of all evil. He wanted the goods that falleth to me. He wanted what he uh, deserved, he thought in his own mind. And yet, You find when God worked in that widow woman's life, even in the midst of a famine, God told her to give. You know, right now as Americans, even with all of the 
however much gasoline is right now, we still have an excess in comparison to the rest of the world. We're not giving out of our affliction or our suffering. But how, how would you like to be in the situation of that widow woman that in the midst of a famine and God's going to work in her life and God's going to work in her family and he tells that widow woman to give. Isn't that amazing? Because you know what the truth is? God can give you a whole lot more than you can hold on to. God can enrich your life and my life a whole lot more than we can enrich our lives ourselves. And God can take care of us better than we can take care of ourselves. And while other people were suffering and probably dying of starvation, here God is taking care of this widow woman that first gave to him and gave to the prophet. I I see a problem of the heart. They are already happy. They're already excited. And can you, can you imagine how that could have, you know, poured water on what? <laughs> oh, we're having a great time. We're feasting. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God's come down. And, and, and then Nehemiah says, oh, by the way, y'all need to start giving to each other. Well, he didn't have to throw water on the meeting. He didn't have to discourage us telling us we needed to give. Send portions? I mean, I, I, I like the portion that I have. You see, this goes all the way back to what God told them to do at the Feast of the Tabernacles, which they're going to observe here. Go to Deuteronomy 16, would you? Now, God doesn't need our money, and the church doesn't need your money, but you need to give. It'll help your heart. And if you want to help yourself, you'll give. And if you're not a giver, you're not only not right with God, but you're probably miserable. And if you don't give, probably nothing's ever enough for you. You know, there's, the Bible says they sent portions and they made great mirth. You know, the happiest people that I know are giving people. And the most miserable people that I have ever met in my life the grumpiest people I've ever met in my life. Old grumpy britches. They just, they're just tightwads. They don't know how to give. They're just, they're just, you talk about a Scrooge. Tight people are not cheerful people. They can't even enjoy what they've got. They're worried about somebody else taking what they have. I'm just saying it's a liberating thing to send portions to others. It's a liberating thing to give to God. It is a thing of revival in our hearts. It makes us more like Jesus and less like the prodigal son. It brings us more into the place of revival and less into the place of misery. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, they had three feasts a year. 
They're mentioned in chapter 16 of Deuteronomy, verse 16. Three times here, I've already told you that. They're listed, they're enumerated in verse 16. The Bible says Deuteronomy 16, 16, three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he should, ch- he should choose. In the, here's the three feasts. In the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's one. That's going to be about the month of April. That's when the Passover was done. And then the Feast of Weeks, that's about the month of June. That's what you also hear in the New Testament called the Feast of Pentecost. And in the Feast of Tabernacles, that's where we are there in Nehemiah chapter 8. That's around the month of October. Now watch what it says. You're going to you have three feasts a year. And when you come to have this, everybody's having a great time. I mean, we're having a feast. And you know what he interjects in there? But when you come to the feast, look at the end of verse 16. And they shall not appear before the Lord, what? <laughs> Empty. Look at the next verse. Every man shall what? You know, if your heart wasn't right, you probably wouldn't get very excited about going to the feast if you knew you had to give. Oh, I got to go down there to that feast. No, they're excited. Hey, we get the feast. And if I have to, if, if giving is a requirement, hey, it is nothing compared with the joy that we're going to have with God and with one another. They're glad to give. He said, every man shall give as he is able. According to the what? The blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. So every time they came to the feast, they were supposed to be giving something. And they were giving according as God's blessed them. Has God not blessed us? Has God not already given us a portion? Has God not only given us a portion, has He not given us a double portion? Has He not given us a triple portion? Could we not say with David as he wrote, could we not say about the Lord, Thou art my portion. How big of a portion is God to put himself in our hearts? When Elisha was with Elijah, about to go up to heaven, read it my, my Bible reading today, and Elijah turned to him and said, What do you want? What do you want before I go ahead? You've, you've been faithful, you follow me around. What do you want? He could have said anything. He said, I want a double portion of the Spirit of God that was in you. What a wonderful request. You know why that was a wonderful request? Because Elisha didn't ask that for himself. If he got a double portion from God, you know what he was going to be able to do with that? He was going to be able to help other people and minister other people and do things in other people's lives. He was asking for that portion of God to be doubled so that he could double what Elijah had done for others. He could be doing for others in a double fashion. I'd say this, whatever portion that you and I have been given, it's not for ourselves. It's so that we might be able to give. We might be able to give to others. A double portion. David said, thou art my portion. Matter of fact, one of the saddest books in the Bible. Anybody know what the saddest book in the Bible is? Even the title is sad. The book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations is such a sad book. 
I mean, people are dying. The judgment of God is on people. The, the judgment, the, 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 the devil is destroying the people of God and they're just crying. It's a lamentation. It's a, a, a book about grief. But in the midst of that book, you know what he says? He said in chapter 3, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Listen to the next verse. The Lord is my portion. (laughs) Saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. I may not have much food to eat. People may be dying all around me. It may look just a total place of despair. But I'm knowing that God is portioning out to me in my life. He's giving me Himself. He's giving me His mercy. He's giving me His faithfulness. He's giving me His compassion. And if God has given me so much, could I not be able to send portions to someone else? You want to, you want to help yourself? Be a giver. Amen. And continue to give. You know what happened 50 years earlier from Nehemiah chapter 8? 50 some odd years? The book of Esther. And if you turn there real quick in Esther chapter 9... In the book of Esther, you find the terrible story of Haman that wanted to kill all the Jews. And a death decree was sent out to destroy all the Jews. And you know, if you know the story of Esther, you know how she went into the king and how God intervened and brought her for such a time as this and how God brought a great deliverance for the children of Israel through the boldness of Esther and also Mordecai. And in chapter 9 of the book of Esther, the, the, Israel, the Jews rise up and they, they defeat their enemies and they destroy the ones that were trying to destroy them. And what happened after such a great victory is what the Bible says here in verse 19 of chapter 9 of Esther. Look at it. Therefore the Jews of the villages that dwelt in the unwalled towns, made the 14th day of the month Adar, watch it, watch it, a day of gladness and feasting and a good day. Oh, we have just got delivered. We're not going to die. Hallelujah. Our lives are spared. And they began to feast. They have a day of gladness. They have a good day. Well, how do you define what a good day? I didn't read all the verse, did I? They had a day of gladness and feasting and a good day and of sending what? Portions one another. You know, when you get so happy, you can't help but give. I mean, look what people do at Christmas time. People that are mean all year long. All year long. And yet there's just something about Christmas. And they give portions one to another. And there, they have a day of gladness for a few hours. (laughs) But the happiness, they give. Well, it wouldn't do for us to live back when my my dad lived. You know, he he told me when they got up Christmas morning, they walked in there and and they got an orange and some nuts. (laughs) Try that with your kids. (laughs) Here's you, an apple. 
Yeah. But here's what people do when they're happy. They give. I mean, our lives have been spared. Glory to God. What can I give away? That sin portion. I'm not finished with that chapter. In, in Esther chapter 9, he, he not only said that in verse 19. Keep reading. Uh, the Bible said in verse number 20, And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of the king of Ahasuerus, both nine far, to establish this among them that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and the 15th day of the same yearly. He said, we're going to do this every year. As the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies and the, the month which was, watch it, watch it. The month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day that they should make them days of feasting and of joy, watch it, and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. Are you seeing that? They are so happy that it turned from sorrow to joy, from mourning to a good day. Is that not what's happening in Nehemiah chapter 8? They are weeping and crying because they know their lives are a mess. They're a great conviction. They know they've got problems, but they turn from understanding that they've not kept the law. And God turns the sorrow into joy. And when they have great gladness, they just start giving. Maybe some people don't give because they've never been set free from such a bondage. They've never seen the dark cloud hanging over their head and then they get delivered from that. This begins what's called the Feast of Purim. And all of these thousands of years later, you know what the Jews do in March? (laughs) They go to the synagogue and they bring out the book of Esther and they read the book of Esther. And they make pastries And they make food. And yeah, because they're not saved. They drink. They just have a big ball. But you know what else they do? They give gifts to each other. Today, they give gifts to the poor. That's people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. They have a day of feasting. So let me ask you a question. If you had to determine how close you are to God by how giving of a heart you have. Where would it be? Because God loveth a cheerful... Guys, it's not about our money. It's about we're just so happy that we're excited to be able to give because we're feasting on the riches of His grace and we want that to be shared with others. There's something deeper here, though. What do you do in a feast? It's not a spiritual question. You eat. You know what our text says? Send portions to them for whom nothing is prepared. Can you imagine if on homecoming, all right, we come out to homecoming and we say, everybody bring your own dish. But we're not going to put it on the table. You bring the own dish for your family. And we sit at the table and you brought, you've got your food for your family that you brought. And you've got your food for your family you brought. And then there's somebody over there that didn't have any food for their family. How big of a feast do you think it would be 
for the guy or the family that didn't have anything to eat on the feast day. Oh, praise God. We, man, this is a great, a great fellowship. Yeah, but it's not for the person that don't have anything over there. Boy, look at this turkey leg. We smoked this turkey all day long. Look at this brisket we made. What did you bring? You know, there was a day years and years ago where, where kids go, would go to school and, and some of them wouldn't have a lunch. And they'd go to school and, they, and, and, and then there'd be some boy, you know, he'd, he'd have his lunch box. He'd have big old cat head biscuits, you know, and he, his mom would just load him down with all this food. Then there'd be some, some other little boy didn't even have a lunch. Here's a question. How can that guy feast when that other guy don't have anything? That makes sense. Send portions to them for whom nothing is prepared. You know what? When Jesus fed the 5,000, there was not one person out there that missed a lunch. It was a feast where everybody was taken care of. And this is what God's trying to say. While you are enjoying the blessing of God and while you are feasting on the things of God and while you're enjoying your meal and enjoying your life and enjoying your blessing, look over there to the person sitting at the table that doesn't have a lunch. And while you're happy... You send them a portion. You know, <clears throat> if everybody would just give a portion, there would be more leftovers yeah. even after those that didn't bring anything. That's what happened here, I believe, in Nehemiah chapter 8. Send portions for whom nothing is prepared. And I'm telling you, we're living in a world, and, and it's not so much financial, though you can look at it. There are people that don't have what we have. And you can always gauge our spirituality about how concerned we are about getting to someone else a portion of what God has blessed me with when they don't have what we have. You know, there's a New Testament illustration of that in the church. Would you go to 1 Corinthians 11 real quick? 1 Corinthians 11 is about the Lord's table, right? And Paul had the right to correct them. The Lord's table was, it it was called a feast, but the Lord's table was not a feast for them to have a party and have a bunch of food. The Lord's table was a feast for them to remember the Lord's death till He come and to examine their own hearts. And what they were doing is, they were saying they were having the Lord's table and they were getting together and they were having a big feast. They were having a big meal. I mean, it was like homecoming. They weren't sitting there pondering the cross and pondering their sin. They weren't, they weren't doing that. They, they were just having, amen, family camp and homecoming camp or homecoming uh, uh, conference and uh, mission conference all rolled. They're just having a great time eating. And that was sin enough in itself. But you know, there was another sin about that. Their behavior was wrong and God started killing them. And he started killing them because there was sin in their life that they hadn't judged. And he was also killing them because they were disrespecting the whole observance of what we're supposed to do at the Lord's table and remembering the cross. But there was another sin in that. 
1 Corinthians chapter 11. Would you look at verse 20? This is all about the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Look at verse 21. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper. You see that? Watch it. And one is hungry. In other words, somebody didn't have a supper to bring. One is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise you the church of God? And what, what? Look at it. And shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. One of the great sins of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is they didn't care about the people in their assembly that didn't have. They were just glad they had a supper. And they let another brother or sister in their assembly go hungry. You know what? They didn't understand the feast. You know what? They didn't understand revival. They didn't understand the the glad heart that comes by sending portion and giving to those that don't have anything. Now that's true about physical things and maybe it'll happen. I don't want it to happen. I don't look forward to happening. Lord, God knows I'm not praying for it to happen. But there may be a day that we have to start feeding each other. There may be a day we have to start taking care of each other. And I'll say, I'll be first on the line. I will participate in that. Because this is God's family, you see. But in this culture, everybody's about just me. I don't care what your hardships are. I care what mine are. I don't care what your needs are. I care what my needs are. I don't care what you're going through. I care about what I'm going through. And what I'm telling you, when God works in our hearts, we start looking at those for whom nothing is prepared and we start wanting to share a portion of our lives with them. What, what What portions can we give? Send portions. What can we send to others? Well, you know what you probably could send? Yourself. Jesus said this to His disciples. As the Father hath sent me, so... Send I you. He said, Preacher, I don't have much of a portion. Well, you got you. You know what we're probably not very good at? Of giving ourselves to others. Now I'm even off money, but it's still giving, isn't it? And mark it down. You know, people that, that can't give money can't give themselves either because it's, a, it's all a selfish, selfish activity, you see. Giving of oneself. Who has, who are these people that have nothing prepared for them? You know, there are people that don't have a prepared city for them. We sung tonight about that place that Jesus has prepared for us. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, there are people all around this world that have no prepared place for them. God hath prepared for them a city, but they have no prepared city of God for them. They are not prepared to meet God. They don't even know they need to get prepared to meet God. They're not prepared for life's troubles. No man has been prepared to go preach to them. 
There's no place prepared for them to go to church like we're able to go to church. There's no place for them to go hear the Word of God. There's no place prepared for them to worship God. There's no place for them to learn about God. There's no Bibles prepared for them. We have a whole world that has nothing prepared for themselves. And we sit here in the blessing and the glories of God and in our feasting. You know what God asks us to do? Why don't you send portions to whom nothing is prepared? Why don't you think about somebody that does not have a church and does not have a Bible and does not have a preacher? And does not have a house and does not have a family. And doesn't even have freedom. There's a whole world for whom nothing is prepared. And I think when God works in our hearts, we get, we get concerned about that. The world doesn't know that God has prepared a, a supper. You know, he said... He said, go out in the highways and and hedges and compel them to come in. I've got a great table. And and Jesus still has a great table. And he wants to feed man's soul. And he wants to bring everybody to his table. But there's a world that doesn't even know that's prepared. You think we could send them a portion of, of the gospel? Send them a portion of a Bible? Send them some doctrinal books like we're getting translated into Spanish. You think we can send them a portion maybe of a preacher? What is this? Guys, what is all this giving to missions about? It's trying to send portions to them for whom nothing is prepared. Just as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16.3, he's going to send to bring your liberality into Jerusalem. And as he experienced his own life from the Philippian church, he sent once and again unto my necessity because Paul didn't have the resources and the things of life that he needed to keep preaching. And as a missionary, here's a church that said, Hey, Paul don't have anything prepared for him. We've got to send portions to him. And he says, I have all to that church and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. An odor of a sweet smell of a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So what I'm saying is, when the temptation in my heart is not to give of myself and not to give the gospel and not to give my money, And to give my prayers, there is a lack not only of revival in my life, but I'm not even right with God, and it comes from the fact that I'm not even happy. Heard a preacher say something a long, long time ago, and he was dead on. He's in heaven now. He said, you know, if you'll be liberal with the Lord, he'll be liberal with you. I think it was Brother Earl that said, he said, I go into churches. You know why some churches, I mean, it's a tight. Y'all know what I'm talking about, a tight service? Amen. I mean, it's so tight. So uncomfortable. Tight as a banjo string. There's no freedom. There's no liberty. Brother Hughes said this. You know why it's so tight in those churches? Because those people don't give. And so God withholds 
because they've been stingy with God. So God just says, okay, just turn off the spout where the glory comes out. Yeah. You know what I've noticed about churches? <laughs> I've watched this. You can always tell if a church is happy and if people are happy because they give. Yeah, amen. And then when they quit being happy, they quit giving. Yeah. And then if they get real upset, then they leave church. But it all started back there. They had a problem with gladness in their heart. It has nothing to do with the money. It has to do with my heart, you see. When you're happy, you serve others. You give of yourself to others. And when you're miserable... It's because you, you sort of cut God out and you sort of held him at bay. And you've not been so open with the Lord with your heart and your life and your finances and your mind. And so you're sort of holding God at bay. And you just get more miserable and miserable and you don't know why. And you're not happy and you're not glad and you don't have great mirth. And God says, I tell you what you need. You need the Spirit of God to warm your heart and to fill your heart with joy and love. And you need revival. And when you, need, when you have revival, your heart will change and your outlook on life will change and your outlook toward others will change. Send portions for whom nothing is prepared. Great mirth connected with their giving. Great feasting. I don't know about you. I don't even like to watch an animal not have anything to eat. Let alone somebody's soul. I don't know how somebody could enjoy feasting at the Lord's table and looking across the way at that single mom, that young person, that child, that has no no meal and continue just to enjoy their feast. And not go over there and say, hey, you can have some of my plate. Because I just can't enjoy all that God's given me knowing that you have a need. And you have nothing prepared for you. And we have a chance every day to minister to one another where there are lacks and needs in every life. And we have a chance every day to send a portion of the things of God and the gospel to the world. And I'm just saying, when we don't do that, it tells a story of where our hearts are.